0: Hello, as you may know by now, my name is Mark Jarrett, and welcome back to the Marxism Podcast. My podcast, my isms, my rants, my ideas, but the world's stories. Ah, 2017. It's been a pretty hectic year. A lot of things have gone on. For starters, we have seen a major change to policies from our neighbors in the South after our first full year of the Trump administration, we have seen Russia play a major part on the world stage, both covertly and overtly, in regards to their foreign policy. We have seen ISIS pushed out of Mosul and Raqqa and Iraq and Syria. We have seen an increase of terrorist attacks on the continent of Europe this year in major cities, making us almost numb when we hear about it on the news. The most powerful storm in Hurricane Irma with the highest wind speed ever recorded caused massive destruction and devastation across the Caribbean. The largest non-nuclear bomb ever was dropped, known as the mother of all bombs on Afghanistan. Emmanuel Macron was elected as the first independent candidate ever becoming president in France. And the re-election of Angela Merkel in Germany showing that Europe isn't quite ready for the dissolution of the EU just yet. Massive anti-government protests in Venezuela, and ever-increasing hostility between the U.S.'s dotard and North Korea's little rocket man, where things aren't just looking like empty rhetoric anymore. So, those are a few of the things that come to the top of my mind, but here at the Marxism Podcast, we don't like to look behind us, we look ahead. So, here are a few things to look out for for this coming year. First off, I'm going to start with the Middle East. As everybody knows by now, ISIS took over large swaths of Iraq and Syria in 2014 and in 2017. They were driven out of their strongholds from the capital city of the so-called Caliphate in Raqqa in Syria, and out of Mosul in Iraq. Now that the Syrian civil war is winding down with Russia having withdrawn from Syria, basically comes the next phase of nation building, and this goes for Iraq as well. Of course, these countries cannot rebuild on their own, and will depend on foreign funding to do so. So, what is this going to look like? Well, it seems that with the success of Russia and Iran and Syria, they will appear to be the main donors towards rebuilding Syria along with China, India, and Brazil, also contributing. Uh, Assad also said he would be willing to take donations from the US, Europe, and Gulf nations only if they apologize. So I don't think that will be happening anytime soon. However, the American coalition forces do play a part in the role of uh, nation building, uh, but it won't be in Syria. It will be, you guessed it, in Iraq. Since the American-led coalition helped expel ISIS from regions of Iraq better than they did in Syria, Iraq will and has been taking money from the US and European countries. So far, the US and Germany are the main donors, along with the UAE and Kuwait. Iran will also probably get their hands in on nation building, as they have a strong influence over the Shia population of Iraq. But nation building in Iraq is riskier than in Syria. In Iraq, the Kurdish Peshmerga played a significant role in liberating Mosul from ISIS alongside the Iraqi army. The Kurds are the largest ethnic group in the world without uh, an official country. The population is roughly 35 million. However, they do have a semi-autonomous region in northern Iraq and have been fighting for full autonomy for ages. After being such a helpful force in fighting ISIS and having a referendum where 92% of the population voted in favor of independence, which failed in convincing the Iraqi government to giving them independence, The Kurds feel that they once again have been betrayed. On top of that, Iraq has put in other restrictions against the Kurds by banning all international flights from coming into Iraqi Kurdistan. They have also exchanged fire with the Iraqi forces along their border. So, the Kurds are not happy campers and will most likely incite more violence in order to fight for independence, and this is a problem for the Americans, as the Kurds are their main ally in the region. Out of this conflict overall, Iran will probably be the ones to benefit the most. Iran has shown a lot of stability throughout this conflict and others in the Middle East. They have played the long game and basically control four capital cities, one, which is their own, Tehran, Beirut in Lebanon, Damascus in Syria, and Sana'a in Yemen, making it much harder for the Americans to exercise their influence in the region. And it's quite possible you may see Iran become the leader in the Middle East in 2018, if it isn't already. As ISIS has been driven out of areas between Iraq and Syria doesn't mean they are eliminated. ISIS still has a fairly significant presence in many countries, including recently the Philippines, Libya, and Afghanistan. Yes back to afghanistan america's longest war having lasted so far 16 years and three months and three administrations on april 13th 2017 as i previously mentioned the mother of all bombs was dropped and many people think that trump did it to exercise his might scare terrorists and that he picked afghanistan because nobody cares about the country anymore so he'll get limited backlash for it But Afghanistan has grown into becoming an even more complex issue since the American intervention. ISIS claimed responsibility of the attack this past week on December 27th that killed 41 people in Kabul, showing that ISIS still is doing damage in parts around the world. On top of that, after 16 years, the Taliban now hold and contest more territory in Afghanistan than at any other point in history since the American intervention. This is partially because since the Americans were so focused on ISIS over the years, it gave time for the Taliban to regroup and use methods that ISIS used in order to rebrand and recruit fighters. President Trump has been pretty outspoken saying that, We are not nation building, we are killing terrorists. And that seems to be the plan in Afghanistan. The Trump administration has drastically increased airstrikes, tripling the figure in the first 10 months of this year compared to previous years. It was estimated that 3,000 bombs were dropped in that time, and 4,000 more troops were deployed to Afghanistan to train Afghan forces. Since American troops are providing training, they are not directly fighting the Taliban in Afghanistan. Afghan forces are. Afghan forces say they are stretched too thin and the Taliban are stronger than ever. Now that ISIS has grown in popularity and are fighting in Afghanistan, will most likely cause a rise for another multi-factional civil war and a greater problem for the US to deal with in 2018. Another concern in the Middle East that we heard lots about in 2017, and I feel you're going to hear more about it in 2018 is saudi arabia saudi arabia's demography and economy appear to be creating a perfect recipe for an uprising to potentially break out saudi oil reserves are believed to be running low and are struggling to prop up social services in the country saudi arabia has been running large deficits in 2015 at 98 billion dollars and 2016 at 79 billion dollars On top of this, 60% of the population is under the age of 25, and of that 60%, 31% are unemployed. These statistics show that a volatile economy and a frustrated younger population that makes up the majority of a country has the potential to create a perfect storm if things do not change. Saudi Arabia is one of the major heavyweights in the Middle East and has been stirring up trouble bullying other countries. As an example that I have already spoken about in a previous episode on Yemen, Saudi Arabia has been carrying out an extremely aggressive bombing campaign in Yemen where many of their targets tend to be civilian targets. However, Yemen isn't the only country Saudi Arabia has been pushing around. Earlier this year, Saudi Arabia cut diplomatic ties with Qatar which was believed to be a distraction from issues going on inside their country. Saudi Arabia, along with the UAE, Bahrain, and Egypt, cut ties with Qatar, claiming that they were funding Islamic terrorism. Oh, sorry, I meant to say radical Islamic terrorism. Saudi Arabia, claiming another country of funding Islamic terrorism... Does anyone hear the crickets chirping in the background here? But this is a pretty reckless move acting as they are on the Arabian Peninsula since these countries are American allies. And if they're not really united, it could send a message of instability to their foe in Iran. So, with all these things that Saudi Arabia are getting their hands on in 2017, who the hell knows what other trouble they may stir up in the region in 2018. On top of that, this year, the Saudi Defense Minister and Deputy Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman arrested roughly 40 officials and princes in the House of Saad for bribery and money laundering and has frozen around 2,000 domestic bank accounts. This was a pretty bold move as it sent the message that bin Salman is looking to take over power. It also sends the message that if he's willing to arrest the elites of his country, you can bet he will wreak havoc if there is any type of uprising from the rest of the population. However, when you detain the elites in a five-star Ritz-Carlton and you use it as a jail, I mean, come on, that's not the most firm way to terrorize people, is it? It's a pretty far cry from a gulag. This move is believed to create reform in the country by diversifying the Saudi economy away from oil, expanding trade, loosening restrictions on entertainment, and improving employment. In fact, by giving the population certain freedoms that they hadn't had before may actually prevent an uprising from happening. For instance, one of the big moves that will be happening in 2018 is allowing women to drive in the country. That's right. On June 24th, 2018, women will be allowed to drive in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It will be very interesting to see what other societal changes may happen in Saudi Arabia in the coming year. All right. Moving along now, quick switch from the Middle East. We are hopping over to the Asia-Pacific region. Another major concern in 2018, which was a major concern in 2017, and to be quite frank, has always been a major concern, is North Korea. According to the American Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, that the policy of strategic patience is over, sanctions have been put on North Korea anti-missile defense systems have gone over to South Korea and will most likely be sold to Japan as well. And as a result, there are more nuclear missile tests being done by the North. This sort of thing has always gone on, but to a lesser extent in the past. But it appears that more pressure has been put on by the Trump administration towards surrounding countries. For instance, China, North Korea's largest trading partner was supposed to play the biggest role in containing North Korea by hitting them with heavy sanctions. But this past week, South Korea seized an oil ship that was believed to be heading to North Korea, which basically hints at the fact that they are still supporting the North using illicit methods to do so, and in a way, I don't blame them. If the North were to fall, it would result in a strong American ally on their border where 28,000 American troops are stationed, as well as having to deal with 25 million refugees from the North. As an American ally would expand, it would also distract China from bolstering up its might in the South China Sea, as there would be another concern to deal with a unified Korea. Therefore, it is in China's best interest to not give up an inch. And while I'm here on the topic of the South China Sea, you will continue seeing greater military pivot towards Asia from the U.S. and away from Europe. Why does this issue of the South China Sea relate to North Korea? In 2015, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe passed legislation that allowed Japan to take part in foreign conflicts for the first time since World War II and not only use their military for defense purposes. This was in response to China claiming islands that were considered Japanese territory in the South China Sea. However, now that Japan can get involved in foreign conflicts, this helps the United States and its 49,000 troops stationed in Japan if something were to happen on the Korean Peninsula. Only a few weeks ago, the United Nations Command released footage of a North Korean soldier escaping to Korea where he was shot five times and was in critical condition where many surgeries were performed on him to save his life and found that he was infested with parasitic tapeworms. Now, defections are somewhat common from soldiers in North Korea, but since this was more dramatic and he had several health problems, he was used as a propaganda tool out of what life is like in North Korea by the South Koreans. This is particularly embarrassing for the Kim regime, as there was another defection only a few weeks later. In fact, there have been four defections from North Korean forces in 2017, and prior to that, there had only been four defections from North Korean forces between 2012 and 2016 which may result in North Korea taking some sort of different measures to prevent further defections or even worse for Kim, a coup. Another concern about possible North Korean action in the coming year is that the Winter Olympics in February is in South Korea there is a pretty high chance, in my opinion, that North Korea may try to undermine the Olympics in South Korea. For instance, when Seoul had the Summer Olympics in 1988, in 1987, North Korean agents planted bombs on a Korean airliner, which killed 115 passengers in order to deter people from going to Seoul for the Olympics. Now, I don't think you'll see bombs necessarily exploding on planes because of higher security measures now. And well, you know, why would you do the same trick twice? But you may see some missile tests done, maybe a kidnapping or two, or even an assassination. You know, the usual. But most importantly, when it comes to this year's Winter Olympics, the Trump tweets in the direction of Little Rocket Man, or who I like to call the Korean Jab of the Hut, is going to be top notch insults. So get ready because he's going to be throwing some serious fire and fury, and it's going to be huge. And I don't know how true this is, but I recently read that Russia would like to act as a mediator for the U.S.-North Korea talks in order to ease tensions. What makes Russia want to be on the forefront of this? I don't know, and I don't know if anyone really does. Who knows if that will happen or not, but in general, these are things involving North Korea to be looked out for in 2018. On the topic of Russia, the 2018 World Cup will be taking place. It is estimated that it will cost $20 billion to host. After the criticism Russia received from the Sochi Olympics, and despite high security, they still managed to run their state-sponsored doping program, and who knows what accusations may arise and what will unravel as a result of this World Cup. In other news for 2018, a few more stories, and these are shorter. Ireland plans on holding a referendum in the summer on ending its ban on abortion. Since there was a lot of success on the Yes campaign to legalize gay marriage in 2015, I'm sure that the ban on abortion will be lifted in the country. Well, Catholicism, it looks like you had a good run trying to dominate the Emerald Isle, but, you know doesn't last. Zimbabwe will be having their first election in a post-Mugabe era, which will be interesting to see how that unfolds. Hopefully it's relatively a peaceful transition, but historically in Africa it doesn't usually go that way after dictatorial rule. On the topic of elections, fellow NAFTA member in Mexico is having an election and since a new leader will be elected as Peña Nieto is constitutionally not allowed to run for a second term, I still doubt that they are going to be paying for the wall DJ Trump hopes to build. On the topic of Latin America... The next G20 will be taking place for the first time in South America, in Buenos Aires, Argentina. South America is definitely going to be something to keep an eye on, looking at what has been happening in Venezuela. Recently, the government said in a few days they will be launching a new oil-backed cryptocurrency. This is something not only adopted by Venezuela to combat inflation, but you will probably see poorer countries doing this as a way to try and get ahead and to be competitive against richer countries. Other things to look out for this year, as well is a stalling Brexit, and continue to see how Britain deals with the complicated and frustrating process to withdraw from the EU while dealing with other problems in the country simultaneously, such as The very important royal wedding between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Jokes aside, in the tech sector, growth of AI taking over more jobs, especially with blockchain technology planning to be put in place to prevent money laundering. China, I know, has been looking a lot into this. Apparently, there are plans for space tourism to be put into action by SpaceX in December of 2018. Some people are predicting a housing crash coming this year, but who knows? And I think to finish things off, in Canadian news, which I think people are blowing way too much smoke about, pun intended, is the legalization of marijuana this coming year. July 1st, which is Canada Day, but people will be calling it Cannabis Day, is the day that the legalization of marijuana is set to happen. I do know the Liberal government plans on selling it at street value at $10 a gram, no surprises there. In other exciting news in Canada, in September, Health Canada plans on banning artificial trans fats from food being sold in the country. So, Tim Hortons will probably be losing business. All right, and on that note, I'm going to finish up this scattered episode. These are the things I think will be in the media in 2018 and things to keep in mind for the new year. So this has been the Marxism Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and this year. Be sure to check me out on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, and others. Like, rate, share, and subscribe when you can. And 2017, I am out of here, and see you in the new year.